8.47. Up close now with Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher with LawQuad LLC. Good morning. Morning, Alex. And President Trump pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, and we could easily go off on a North Korea tangent. Maybe we'll have time to do that. But let's begin with um, the actual pullout itself. Uh, this had been threatened for some time. He described it as defective. I mean, it's just one of the less colorful words, I think, that President Trump had used to describe the 2015 agreement that was sealed under his predecessor, Barack Obama. Uh, there will be repercussions for the European powers that are ho- trying to hold on to this deal with Iran, uh, for the hardliners in Iran who will now point to US betrayal as a, an excuse to further their own agenda. And now apparently already with Iran and Israel exchanging fire at the Syrian border, which is seemingly directly connected, at least with the change in atmosphere. Would yeah, you say, absolutely. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one of the reasons that apart from you know, Prime Minister Net- Netanyahu of Israel, many of his generals and intelligence officers actually wanted the U.S. to stay in the deal because they thought that this would actually, you know, uh, exacerbate the conflict between Israel and Iran. And, you know, I think it's very likely that the latest attack is part of that you know, whole picture. Just on the North Korea question, and I said we could easily go off on a tangent, but straight up. Does it affect trust with foreign powers, including North Korea, when you pull out of a deal like this? So, I mean, that's the deal, right? In the sense that you know, President Trump and his advisors' argument is that, look, this was longstanding uh, campaign promise of President Trump. I mean, he made no secret of the fact that he hated a deal when he was the presidential candidate. And he's been saying that ever since he became president. And he was only hold, held back from you know, pulling out of the deal until now because many of his close advisors advised him against that. So now his argument is that, hey, I'm a man of my word. I'm keeping my campaign promise. But unfortunately, that's quite apart from the promise of the United States government by itself. I mean, clearly, the Iran nuclear deal was a state-to-state deal. It wasn't just a state uh, agreement between Iran and U.S., but it was a U.S. government, Iranian government, as well as three European nations, China and Russia were also signatories to the deal. So it was a multilateral agreement that, you know, U.S. just pulled out for no reason. I mean, as far as we know, Iran has been keeping up its, its end of the bargain. So you, uh, despite whatever you know, President Trump might say, he really doesn't have under the, the letter of the agreement to any right to really come out of the agreement. So it does really say, it, uh, signal the fact that, hey, U.S. will do whatever he likes, despite the fact that he'd agreed to it in, the, in, uh, in a few year, years ago. Yeah, from one administration to the next, uh, long-term arrangements obviously are called into question. But is there an irony there that, in a way, it makes Trump himself more trustworthy in the shorter term? Because, as you said, he comes across as being a man of his word here. Well, that's the argument. But, I mean, the North Korea doesn't want just a personal guarantee of President Trump, right? In the yeah. sense that what North Korea wants and has long wanted was a long-term security guarantee from the U.S. And President Trump, you know, he's not going to be in power forever. At max, he's, he has seven more years, uh, assuming that he gets reelected. What North Korea wants is a regime security guarantee for much longer than that. So it's not really that President Trump's personal word matters the, the credibility of the U.S. government on the long run, that's, a, that's the issue here. Anything particularly interesting about the timing of 
pulling out of the deal now? Well, you know, as it happens, Mike Pompeo was in Pyongyang talking with Kim Jong-un. And then he had, the good news is that three uh, U.S. citizen hostages that were held by North Korea were released and is now returning to America with Mike Pompeo. So the, that's, the, uh, that's a good thing. The, but the ba- just we'll, I'm going to come back to that point. The right. bad news, uh, perhaps, being Mike Pompeo has renamed Kim Jong-un chairman and yeah, I mean, it does sort of show sort of lack of awareness of, you know, the relationship between U.S. and North Korea and the part of Mike Pompeo and, you know. Would that, would that upset North Korea, do you think? Probably not. I mean, I think they kind of take for granted that, you know, U.S. would be somewhat... Many people in the U.S. government would be somewhat not not that well informed of North Korea. And Mike, Mike Pompeo, you know, he's not a career military guy. He's not a career intelligence officer. I mean, his rise to power was that he was a uh, he was a congressman. He was a very right wing congressman, and then he somehow he became came under good graces with President Trump. I mean, you know, did a short stint as a CIA director, now the State Secretary. But you know, his background isn't in knowing a lot about North Korea. Right. So okay. I'll just uh, I, yeah. try to ignore the fact that he may have seen that hyphen between Jong and Un on several occasions, at least. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go with one or the other, maybe go with uh, Chairman Jong Un instead of, you know, if if you don't think Kim is the surname. But anyway, that aside because it's just a, a source of social media humor, I think, at the moment. It is humorous, for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, and, and horror, in some cases. Uh, c- coming back to, to the point of the timing. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, President Trump has made no secret of the fact that he really wanted to pull out of Iran. The fact that he was being deterred until now was that you know, many of his advisors, you know, uh, you know General Mattis, uh, McMaster, Tillerson, they all advised him against it. But now McMaster and Tillerson are out, and now you know, John Bolton, and Mike Pompeo, who both have really, really hated Iranian deal are in. Now, we sort of can surmise that, you know, probably internal resistance within Trump administration has weakened against, you know, taking a more thoughtful approach. So that does, you know, tell you something about, you know, decision process that's going on. And that might actually make us worry a little bit about what the negotiation with North Korea might look like. It looks like, at least within the Trump's inner circle, the hardliner voice, voice is getting stronger. Yeah, we can't go into the nuts and bolts of nuclear deals in too much detail now. But again, some would say, well, if this is going to be setting up a long-term policy, it'll have to be one that uh, redefines exactly what a denuclearization deal looks like. And maybe uh, the North Korea deal could set the benchmark there for long-term trust. We'll see. But I'm interested in asking you for now, about the winners of this decision, apart from maybe President Trump himself, if he's happy about it, Israel and Saudi Arabia, for example, look pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, both both Israel and Saudi Arabia are strongly competing with Iranian, Iran for regional control, and they're sort of basically fighting, in some cases literally fighting, in militarily speaking, through proxy wars with Iran. So Saudi Arabian government and Israeli government both express support for President Trump's decision. On the other hand, whether it really you know helps security situation is another question. For example, as you mentioned earlier, the, you know, the, the, the Israel just had rocket attacks from Syria, most likely from Iranian sources and many, you know, military generals and intelligence officers in Israel actually sort of against U.S. pulling out of the uh, the Iran nuclear deal. So, you know, although Prime Minister Netanyahu might be happy, he's been, you know, known very strong voice against the Iranian deal. I think whether it really helps you know, the, the Israeli national security interest uh, is actually another question. 
what comes next? Another Iran deal or, or confusion, do you think? Well, as far as I know, and as far, you, know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, no one in the administration or the supporters of President Trump's decision has been able to really articulate Plan B. It seems that you know their main argument is, well, that we America are strong, so we can basically pressure Iran to give up more more stuff to come up with a better agreement. Yeah, well, sanctions, I guess. Sanctions, then, sanctions, and you know they might be even talking about military actions. Uh, uh, you know, you get, with given enough time. I mean, I think 2015 agreement was the best deal the U.S. could have gotten within the framework of the diplomatic negotiation. And to think that you know additional pressure on Iran will somehow magically come up with a better better solution. I mean, Iran for the time being has said they will abide by the agreement, but who knows? They might actually, you know, they will. Definitely be watching the the North Korea situation very closely, and will be really thinking hard about whether they they want to go back on you know arming themselves with nuclear weapons. I think. Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher with Law Quant LLC. Always a pleasure to have you here in the studio, taking us up close on another contentious issue. Thank you very much.